I invite you to open your Bible up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll be studying verses 9 through 13 this morning. And at the heart of this passage is the answer to this question. What's your motivation for ministry? What makes you keep serving God? We get some answers to that question in this passage, some deep and abiding answers from the Spirit himself. Have you ever served with someone who is relentless, who pours themselves out? They're very fervent. They serve the Lord through trials. They serve the Lord in good times. They just keep going. And you're there by their side some of the time, and you notice that they have an endurance, that they had a, have a motivation to serve the Lord by serving people. And you'll look on at that person, and you may ask, what's their motivation for ministry? What makes them tick? How did they get all that oomph, that drive, that heart, that determination, that perseverance? Have you served alongside someone like that before? I bring to you the example that we have in the word of the Apostle Paul. Consider what it would be like to serve alongside Paul or Timothy or Titus or Barnabas or Silas or Peter. These men were all in. They didn't lack motivation in serving the Lord. They were driven to see the kingdom of God and to serve people, were they not? What would it have been like to be on Paul's missionary team? Would you have taken that opportunity? Sometimes we look at John Mark and say, oh, he flaked out. He, he couldn't take it. Could you take it? Could I take it? To travel from city to city, proclaiming the word of God to some people that hated you, being beaten, being thrown out of town, being crushed with stones, being imprisoned, being shipwrecked, being in peril. Consider the motivation for service. The Spirit speaks through Paul and through Timothy in this passage and talks to us about the reasons why we live for God, why we serve the Lord. And this should be for each one of us because when you look at yourself, we live in a world that is increasingly hostile to Christianity. What will you do? How will you be motivated? How will you continue? How will you have the heart to hold on and to serve the Lord in a world that's growing darker and darker by the day. You see it very well, don't you? That everything that you stand for in the word of God is under attack. You and I are going to have to be really motivated for the right reasons. We're going to have to have a lot of perseverance and a lot of endurance for what we're up against. Are we not? What will our motivation be? How will we stay the course? Where will all that drive, that umph come from? You're going to need it. I'm going to need it. And the word here provides for us the motivation for ministry. Therefore, in verse 9, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Number one, because I want to be pleasing to Christ. What's the motivation for ministry? I see it right there in verse 9. Paul says, I serve, I minister, because it's my aim to please my Savior. I desire to put a smile on the face of my Redeemer. Look at what he says. If I'm here or in heaven, 
It's my aim to please him. If I'm dead or alive, that's what his poster would say, not wanted dead or alive, but pleasing dead or alive, right? Whether I have gone on, I've passed on, or whether I am present here on this earth, my aim, my goal, my target is to please the Lord. That's why I do what I do. You don't serve for friends or for fulfillment. Now, this has been an issue in the church because we get our eyes on things like you will have better friends if you seek to please the Lord. You will live a more fulfilled life. But if your eyes are on the friends and on the fulfillment, on your purpose and the people that God puts in your life, and it's not on pleasing him, you will get disillusioned. Yes, the most wonderful people in the world are those that follow Jesus. And sometimes we get distracted by the wonderful relationships that we have person to person, and we might forget that way before that, we serve the Lord to please him, to see him. It's not about our purpose first. It's about his good pleasure. Our purpose is to bring pleasure to God. Look at what the word is saying. Your next minute could be spent looking into Jesus's eyes. The Bible tells us the truth that our lives are fleeting. Reality tells us that we don't know if we will have tomorrow on this earth. And as one who follows Jesus Christ, this truth that to be absent from the body, which we studied in the last session, is to be present with the Lord. How am I going to live my life in light of the truth that, that my next breath I could be taking right in front of Jesus? That should be a motivator for you and me to say, I want to be pleasing to him. It should make me look at my life priorities. How am I spending my time? What am I doing with the days, the minutes that are in front of me? What am I thinking about? What kind of dad am I? What kind of husband am I? Because this service is certainly in the context of the body of Christ, but we serve the Lord in our homes. We serve the Lord in our communities. And if we can lock into this truth that it is for the purpose of pleasing him. We ask ourselves, is the way I'm living my life important just to me or, it is, or is it important to God? Too often, the question is, is this technically wrong? I don't know if you get a lot of questions like that. I do. Well, so is it really wrong to do this? And we get into the word of God and we're starting to be like, oh, let me see if I can find a loophole. When really the question should be, is this pleasing to the Lord, shouldn't it? We should be saying, does this delight God? If it doesn't bring him delight, then why am I looking for some kind of loophole, so to speak, that I can live this way or, or not serve or not do this? Is my life, is your life really about the aim of pleasing the Lord? That is a motivation for us. This is Ephesians 5, 8 from the... uh, from the ESV, walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. As believers, you and me are asking ourselves the question, Lord, I need discernment. I need insight. I need wisdom into what pleases you. We usually know what pleases ourselves. Oh, I I know what I like. I I know what brings me pleasure. But the Bible says, have discernment, ask for what pleases the Lord. 
the word here gives us this wonderful truth that we're going to see Jesus. If you've given him your life, if you believe in him as Lord, if you believe that God has brought him back from the dead as we sang, then you will see Jesus, and don't you want him to be pleasing with your life? A friend of mine who passed away years ago wrote a song. Barry Filer wrote the song that says, I want to touch your heart. I want to bring you pleasure, Lord. I want to make you smile. Work in me that I might be a pleasing child upon your knee. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing to men, but God who tests our hearts. There it is. Will we please people or will we please God? Will we please ourselves and the passing pleasures that we sometimes pursue or will we seek to please the Lord? That should be a motivation for our service. I live for the Lord not to make people happy first and foremost. I hope you're happy with it, but when you're not, am I shaken? That last verse is a good segue into the next verse and topic. Let's go to verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So secondly, because I want to be rewarded. I see it right here in the word of God. What's your motivation for ministry? Because I want to be rewarded and cast my crown. I'll get to that. Verse 10 is speaking of the judgment seat of Christ. If you're a believer, you'll be at this judgment. There won't be any unbelievers at the judgment seat of Christ. It's sometimes called the bench of Jesus or the bema seat of Christ. This is a judgment not unto condemnation or salvation, but this is a, a judgment where God discerns our works, whether good or bad. Do you see that? And we should not think for even a second that the reward for good deeds is eternal life. No, the word told us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that if you're in Christ, when you die, you're immediately in heaven already with the Lord. But then there is this judgment the judgment seat of Jesus, and there he will reward his children for their deeds. That's what it says here, does it not? This is not to be confused with what is included in Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. That is also a judgment of Jesus, but it is a judgment for damnation or salvation, and only unbelievers will be at that judgment, and it will be to determine their eternity. So this, entirely different altogether, for those who are absent from the body, present with the Lord, to be dead in this life is, life is to be alive in heaven. Once a believer is in heaven, that believer will be rewarded for the good that they have done. Now, brother or sister, are you thinking, great, I'm going to have lots of deeds that deserve awards. I'm going to have lots of good things. And the Lord certainly seen those. And when I get to heaven, it's just going to be, he's going to be just dishing out reward after reward to me. I want you to think about this, that when the Lord sees our deeds, whether they're good 
or they're bad, it's down to the motivation. It's down to the intention. It's down to the reason why we did what we did. Do you see why you need God's word? Because it's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let's admit it. We can do a lot of seemingly good things on the outside with motivations that are not entirely on track. Isn't that true? And those deeds will not be rewarded. Those deeds that are done, that are seemingly good, but we had some other reason for doing what we did, something that was self-serving, something that was according to the pleasure of people, but not according to the pleasure of God. Paul writes about this in the first book to the Corinthians. It would be easy to turn back there, would you please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 says this, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, speaking of the judgment seat of Christ, that day, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as so yet so as through fire. Do you see it there? That the Lord is going to use fire to determine what was done with the true motive of glorifying God and what was done with the crooked motive. The person saved, but the good works that they have done will endure and be rewarded. Now, you might think that this fire sounds pretty scary, but think about it. We sing it in pretty songs all the time. We just sang it last week in the song Empty Me, where it says, Holy fire, burn away my desire for anything that is not of you, but is of me. We're just singing that. That's so nice. Are you listening to what you're telling God? God, let your fire right now burn away anything that's of me and not of you. Because I want to be pure right now before you, in my deeds, in my service, in my ministry. I don't want to wait until I get before the throne and have you there try my deeds by fire, and I'm left with just a measly little bit. Refiner's fire. We sang that song forever. Refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you. We're singing this. God, use your fire as that purifier in my life so that I'm not so mixed up in thinking that I'm doing all this good stuff for you when really it's for the wrong reasons. Those crooked motives can seep in pretty quickly in my life. How about you? I think of this. You lead 15 people to Christ, but you took personal pride in the salvation of 12 of them, so you're rewarded by the Lord for three. Man, you guys are fast. You help 90 people in times of difficulty, but 81 of them you help because it gave you self-gratification. So you're rewarded by the Lord for... I had a whole bunch, God. I was doing all this stuff. Think about this in terms of... It's not the only way, but it's one of the ways of how many Bible teachings I have delivered. I look at my file cabinet, I look at my computers, and I'm just like, look at just files and files and files. Thousands. 
How many of those sermons were delivered with a pure heart? Or were they just delivered? You taught Thursday night class, Sunday school for years, but only five times you really did it for the Lord. The rest of the time, it was out of duty or obligation. You see leaders, so-called leaders, and they, they obligate and duty people into giving financially or to serving. I don't want you to give out of obligation or duty. I want you to give because you want to please the Lord and because you want to be rewarded by him in heaven. I don't want to front, well, you know, you got little kids, so you better chip in, right? Yeah, we all got to suffer, right? I, I lay people off sometimes in kids' ministry if I hear them. Well, you know, I better do this because I've got kids. It's kind of my... Well, okay, I'll, I'll just lay you off for six months until you get it straight that this is a blessing, right? It's not just a duty. It's something that we do because we want to please the Lord. You made food for people. We got guys cooking for us right now. So many times I see you guys making food for those who are hurting, you know, blessing the body so that we can come together and break bread. Let it be for a, a pure reason so you don't end up before the Lord with just like three sandwiches. Lord, I did all that work. I vacuumed all that carpet. I did, I mean, I think about all these ministries that happened, and Lord, I, I got just a couple sandwiches left. I want to be rewarded. It is very possible for us to serve to be seen by men. Jesus makes it very clear. Then we, he says, you've already received your reward. It's possible to serve for our own sense of satisfaction and accomplishment. Well, then we won't be rewarded in heaven. Now, I hope that you're satisfied with the Lord, but if it's only for that sense of accomplishment, that's not, that's not pure. Passages like this get me moving towards service that's less seen and more secretive. Because I want to have a reward to give the Lord. I don't want to be left with just a fraction of what I did on the outside. How about you? It's not that difficult to fool people, but it's impossible to fool the Lord. Now, you may think, why do you want these rewards, Eddie? Since there's so many Eddies, that hits home for some of us. Eddie, are you greedy? For self-gain, you're just, you want rewards, rewards? No, I, I want something to give the Lord. You came into this world with nothing, and you'll depart from it with nothing. The only thing you will have as you stand before God is what he gives back to you as a reward. That's all you will have. He will give you a crown. He will give you a reward. And what will you do with that crown? Put it on your head and strut around heaven. Compare crowns. Stack the crowns up. You get these rewards. The word makes it really clear that we are rewarded, but we cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus. We bow down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Lord, I have something to give you. That's amazing that I can bless the heart of God, that there was a reward given to me for what he empowered me to do in the first place and what he purified me to do in the first place. And now I get to give it as a blessing to Jesus. That's what ministry is. It's blessing Jesus. 
There's not a lot of you who would say, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in blessing Jesus. That's what serving the Lord is. When Christian, our oldest, was just a toddler, Michelle gave me an iPod for our anniversary. And I, I plan to show it to you on Thursday night. I still have it. It's old school iPod. Amazing present. That was before or I knew anything about Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. It was like, but I could put all of my CDs on this one little device and then plug it in almost anywhere and listen to it. And it was pretty clear that I, I liked that present. I liked that iPod that I got from my wife. Now, Christian, just as a little guy, maybe three years old, he noticed that I really liked that iPod. So he, he started making me iPods out of paper <laughs> and coloring them. And he even made different screens that you could take off and put on the iPod. And he would come and he'd say, look, look what I have. I got you an iPod. Because he wanted to bless his dad. Right? Now, some of those iPods that Christian made, I still have. They're they're tucked in my music binder with my sheet music. I'll look down at the bottom, and there'll be an iPod there. I think those iPods are going to outlast the iPod that I got that has the songs on, although it does still work. Those are going to outlast. I'll keep them for longer than I'll keep the electronic device. Because what was the desire? I, I don't have a lot. You could buy something better. You could make something better. But I got something to give you. And even the look on his face at that time was like, look, look what I got you. I got you an iPod. Not silly, not weird, loving. Motivation for service. Because you want, you want a reward that you can cast at the feet of Jesus. You want to bring delight to him. You want to please him. And with those rewards, you give your life back to him. That's the heart of a pleasing child what are you going to do with your crown, your Stephanos, your reward? You're going to throw it at the feet of Jesus. What a chapter this is, talking to us about our motivation for serving. I want to please you. I want a reward so I can cast it at your feet. And there's more. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God I also trust that I also trust and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Thirdly, because I care for other souls. Do you see that we are to minister because we desire to see people receive the kindness of the Lord so that they will not know what the Bible calls the terror of the Lord. Service is very connected to people's destinies. To the truth that many people are perishing. The Lord does not take delight in the destruction of the wicked. He desires for all to come and receive the knowledge of the truth. And you know what he does? In your service, he gives you his heart to care for the eternity of the people around you. The terror of the Lord. If anyone rejects Jesus, 
if anyone clings to their sin, they will experience the terror of God. He is a kind God who calls to us today, come, receive my mercy. Let me forgive you. I gave my life for you. But he is also a holy God. He will not allow sin to go unpunished. He took your punishment. He wants to pay the price for you. But if anyone insists upon paying the price themselves, they will experience what the word calls this terror of the Lord. Isn't it right here in the word? He has freely given his grace, but there will be destruction for those who refuse his son. That is a motivator, is it not? To care for the souls of others. Serve because you care for where they're going. Plead with sinners. That's biblical. I like Living Waters Ministries with Ray Comfort and many other evangelists. They let you write into those one-on-one conversations that they have with people about the way to be saved, about giving the gospel. And often you're, you'll hear Ray Comfort say, I don't want you to be lost. I don't want you to go to hell. Is that too straightforward? He pleads with them. If you believe that there is a heaven, and if you believe that there is a hell, and every soul is going to end up in one of those two places, explain to me how is it honorable or caring to not share the gospel? But why don't we share it sometimes? I'll just talk to you about myself. Maybe you're like this too. I think too much about what people think of me. I don't want them to not like me. I don't want them to think that I'm backward or that I'm old school. And so I'm, am I not going to give them the truth that they're in peril, that they're perishing, and that Jesus has provided the way of eternal life? He's made the way to reconcile God to man. In fact, if I don't share the gospel, it shows how much I don't care for their soul. Do I care more about being liked or do I care more about their eternity? Do I care more about being politically correct or more about the destiny of their soul? What a motivator to see and to realize that the Lord is extending his grace just now, but there is the terror of the Lord. You go to the beach, or you go to a state park, or you go to a national park, and they have those little signs, the, the warning signs about danger. You know the little circle people? There's like, and, and little bubbly head, and, and they warn you about all the dangers. You're at the beach, and there's like, there's riptide, there's an undertow, the sign's out there, and it shows the little circle man getting pulled out to the sea, you know, re- really visual. In case you're not listening to the words, look at the circle man. He's going down the tubes because he didn't pay attention to the fact that this is a dangerous beach. Don't get out there and, and not pay attention. In fact, don't step in the water at all if you don't know what you're doing. Or you go to the edge of a cliff and they've got those signs up and they show the circle man going off the cliff, right? This big warning sign, they show him red marks coming from the rock that he hits his head on, right? Warning people, this is dangerous. I saw one recently. I should have taken a picture of it. And it's got the circle man with his selfie stick out like this, and he's backing up. 
and they have big X's because how many people are taking a picture of themselves and their loved ones and they back themselves right off the edge? And you ask, were they drunk? No, they were just taking a selfie in some cool location. So there's that visual there. If you go to Yosemite, sorry, um, Yellowstone, and you're there by Old Faithful, they have a video playing of someone getting gored by a bison. It's like the sign didn't warn people enough. But they have a video of someone, and this bison's just charging him, throws him up in the air, runs at him again, stomps on him. And still, there are people that standing out there. Let's go out and approach the bison and go right up to... I told him, like, do you know how much that animal weighs? Like, do you... The warning, right? When you care, you warn. If you don't care, you don't warn. You say, oh, who cares? They're going to get themselves in trouble. What? It's been said, how much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel with them? That's convicting for me. How much do you have to despise them and say, oh, their, their eternity doesn't matter much. I care more what they think of me in this moment at this time. Let this be a motivator for ministry because I care for the souls that are around me. Later in the chapter, it speaks of the ministry of reconciliation. So if you go to chapter 5, verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We know the way. It's Jesus. We know the door. It's Jesus. We know the bridge. It's Jesus. And he has given you and me the ministry of reconciliation to declare the way that we can be right with God, brought into right relationship. And it's not by our merit. It's by his mercy. Persuade. Do you see those, verse, those words? That they might become partakers. Reach out so that they can be reconciled. Let's go to verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Isn't that the way the Christ-rejecting world operates today? Boasting in appearances. Look at our world. It's struggling so badly. To them, reality doesn't matter. Do you see this? It's how I'm perceived. It's my image. It's what people think. What's really there, the heart, that doesn't matter. What matters is appearances. What kind of errors am I putting on? What, what kind of image do I, have I made for myself? How am I perceived? But the heart is the substance. It's the motivation. It's the desire. So Paul is saying, serve the Lord, yes, but serve for the right reasons. If you're fizzling right now, this is the truth about the church. There's always some that are turning it on, and there's always some that are cooling their heels. People ask me, like, how do you deal with that? Well, I just say, there's always some that are falling away, stepping back, and there's always some that are amping it up. And when you look at this, it goes back to our motivation, isn't it? If our motivation is on, and there are more motivations in this chapter, I hope that you'll, you'll hear them, that I get a chance to teach them, maybe even this Thursday. 
boasting in appearances, but the heart. Lord, you change my heart. I want to please you. I want a reward from you that I can give back to you. I care for the souls around me, even though in myself I wouldn't. Now I do because you've made me like you. Verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. So there was an accusation here, and what was the accusation? Paul's crazy. He's beside himself. Beside himself? That means like, I'm here and I'm here. There's like two of me. I'm crazy. I'm insane. If you look at Paul's life, you might say, maybe he is crazy. He keeps giving the word. He keeps teaching and preaching and pastoring and evangelizing. And he's just going through so much persecution. He's got to be crazy. And he says this, if I'm beside myself, it's for the Lord. If I'm crazy, I'm crazy for Jesus. If that's what you're going to call me, if you think I'm unreasonable, I'll give you the reasons for my service. But if you think that this is insanity, if I'm beside myself, it's for the Lord. And then he had another accusation. And what is that if we look at verse 13? Or if we are of sound mind. Paul was a studier. He had been a Pharisee. He got in there and he really rightly divided the word of God. And there were those who said, oh, he's too intellectual. Oh, he's in here in a way that's so academic. And he says this, if I'm studying, if I'm intellectual, let that intellect be applied to the word of God and let it be for your benefit. Have you been foolish for sinful causes? Have you been that person at one time in your life where you're like, man, I, I really was like crazy for the wrong thing. And I lived all out for something that was actually destructive. Have you been that way before? Paul says, well, well now, don't pour yourself into the, the ways of the world. Pour yourself into the Lord. Have you been a hard worker? Have you been a studier? Have you been intellectual? Have you stayed up all day and all night studying? Have you lived that kind of life before? Where you're just, man, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. I'm working so hard to pass this course or to get this certification or to graduate or whatever it is. Do that for the Lord and let it be for the sake of his people. Let it say, it's for you. If I'm studying and it's late and I'm pouring over God's word, let it be for the sake of those who hear it. The next motivations as they come are even better, in my opinion, I was just opinion, than the ones we've studied so far. Oh Lord, I... I stand before you only by your grace. And I say, you know, with the prophet, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. Lord, would you take the coal and hold it to my mouth, put it in my heart, burn away anything. that's of me, and let only that which is of you and from you be alive. Lord, I, I mean that. I pray for each one of us as we serve you, Lord, whatever gift, and there are many, 
whatever capacity, whatever way that you have put before us, that you would show us the why. Your word is, is clear, but we struggle, Lord, to live it. It's, I pray that we would live as pleasing children, Lord, that you give us a heart for the lost, that you would make us after the eternal. Lord, there's so many other things that vie for our attention and our time. Like, I just, I live that, Lord. It pulls at me. And, but I pray that I would have not just something, but that I would have a lot that I can give to you because you've given everything for me. I thank you for blessing us so much, Lord. I really just stand here amazed at the people that you've put um, together so that we can live for you. I pray that you would keep us strong, keep us solid, keep us simple, Lord. Make us studiers of your word for your glory. As we sing these songs, Lord, melt our hearts just into submission to you, we pray. Amen.